This is Hacker Public Radio, episode 3808 for Wednesday, the 8th of March, 2023. Today's show is entitled, Funkwell, a social platform to enjoy and share music. It is hosted by Ken Fallon and is about 61 minutes long. It carries a clean flag. The summary is, Ken interviews Kieran Ainsworth about Funk Whale that lets you listen and share music. Hi everybody, my name is Ken Fallon and you're listening to another episode of Hacker Public Radio. Today we're going to have an interview, a chap that we met at the FOSTEM, uh, at the FOSTEMs, yes, came over to the HPR booth and uh, said we'd have a chat. So, can you introduce yourself? Tell me who you are and where you're from. Yes, uh, my name is Kieran Ainsworth. Um, I'm known online as Sporif, and I am a uh, technical writer from England, currently living in Berlin. Kieran, so Irish ancestry there in the, in the background somewhere? Yes. Yes. Yeah, Irish ancestry and Welsh ancestry. Oh, very good. Celts. Mm. Celts is strong in this one. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, very Celtic. A um, little bit of French in there somewhere as well. So, you know, and yet no we'll... part of me likes the English part. Let's put it that way. Ah, no, no, it's fine. It's <laughs> fine, it's fine. Uh, yet no passport. Class. No, no. Unfortunately, all too far out to, to, get, the, uh, to get the European passport. But um, that's why I moved here, um, was to sort of rejoin myself. So... Y- you're in Germany now. Does that mean yes. you can travel anywhere within Schengen? Uh, yeah. So I have a I have a um, a visa that basically enables me to travel freely uh, in the EU and yes, Schengen. Um, and my British passport does still obviously get me anywhere that isn't Europe uh, perfectly fine. So yeah. yeah. Um, Yes, but it was important to me to get the sort of uh, the visa so that my my sort of travel within Europe was unrestricted. Unbelievable! And of course, you can still uh, travel to Ireland without anything free movement area. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I I think I don't I don't know about actually never looked into traveling to the Republic, but certainly on my British passport, of course, of course, I can get, just get into the North and then travel down, and there's no restrictions. So. Yeah, you don't even need a passport, just a, something <laughs> like an energy bill or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just weird. Make okay. way, you know. Yes, the, I'm back. <laughs> yes. Let me I never left. Let me okay. Um, so you were, uh, we were talking actually, and you followed up that uh, with some suggestions. We were handing out leaflets for the Free Culture Podcast thing. And we were trying to gather um, as many uh, shows as possible that were released under the free culture li- license, and, yes. uh, and we followed. You recommended uh, BSD now. Yes, yeah. Um, it's a show I listen to a lot. I was a little bit surprised because I I sort of um, am friends with a few people from uh, a few other podcasts on your network, such as uh, Bugcast and Linux Lads and things like that. And I I listen to but BSD now a lot, and I was like, oh, it's interesting that they aren't um, sort of represented presented but then as you me it's a license issue uh more than anything yep and uh, actually due to uh due to i already had pinged them back in uh, september uh, mm. when you were going to post them and i pinged them again since and i did 
it looks like they've agreed to release under a Creative Commons license, albeit a non-free one. But uh, something's better than nothing, I'm guessing. Hmm. Okay, well, yeah, <laughs> there we go. Some good game yeah. of that, at least. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. I, uh, I did ask, you know, a uh, non-virtual one, like, you know, could you not up that? You know, what, are you really <laughs> going to be? Are you really going to make so much money from the well, commercial? Yeah. You know, because anybody who's going to steal your stuff is going to steal your stuff. And yeah, good luck. Trying to get my team of crack lawyers to come and yeah, international do an international copyright case on, on yeah, it's kind of pointless. It, so. It's very in keeping with uh, BSD, though, isn't it? Like, obviously, with Linux, the whole thing is, you know, if I released it freely, you've got to release it freely. Whereas BSD, it's more, I release it freely, do what you like. Yeah, if you want to do commercial uh, stuff, go for it. Yeah, but the BSD license, uh, uh, and I was given this example to the one person who didn't know the Creative Commons license. So are you familiar with the, you know, the BSD licenses and the MIT and the and the GPL? So, mm-hmm. yeah. So I would have ranked like the you've got the public domain stuff uh, is CC zero and then CC so CC just Creative Commons by would be a BSD license I would have thought you know you can do with it what you want you there's no requirement on you to uh, no we're not preventing you from sharing it we're not preventing you from reusing it we're not preventing you from doing anything the only thing is you have to get credit that's a BSD mm-hmm. license I would have thought. Mm. Yeah, I can see that. Okay. Um, yeah, and I'm not. I'm stealing that directly from the Creative Commons website. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's it's whatever. If you know, they were previously releasing it under no license at all. It just Absolutely. was copyright, yeah. Alan. So, yeah, you know, anything is like you say. Anything's better than nothing. And uh, yeah, it's it's just nice to be able to get in touch with people. It, it's encouraging yeah. that you can just get in touch with Great, them and yeah. talk to them. And it's great that they did release it. Uh, but the strange thing is, a few people have come back to me going, uh, "No, you're you're wrong there." Uh, when I say, you know, if you don't release it under a Creative Commons license by default, um, mm. it's by default uh, copyright, all rights reserved, and then it falls back to uh, whatever website uh, the the terms and conditions of the website that you're downloading it from. And mm. a lot of people are saying, "No, that's not correct." That uh, Definitely, you can download and share, and that's all fine. Um, and I'm going, I don't think so. But then again, I'm not a lawyer, so I'm, I'm trying to get a uh, follow-up on that. Mm. But that's not why we're here. That's not why we're here. We're here because of Funk Whale. Tell me about Funk Whale and why we're talking about it. Um, yeah, so that, uh, Funk Whale is a project that um, I sort of work on outside of my, uh, my job. Um, it was started originally as a one-person project by Agathe Berrio back in 2015. And uh, basically, uh, she originally devised it as a self-hosted free software alternative to GrooveShark, hence the name Funk Whale. It's a play on the title. Um, GrooveShark, what's that? Oh, it was it was a uh, sort of uh, music streaming platform where you could build radios and playlists and that kind of thing. Uh, I believe you just uploaded your content to it like i don't think they hosted it themselves it was kind of just a toolkit for building things although i'm not entirely sure because it was extinct by the time i came to look at it um but wikipedia says wikipedia says. <laughs> was a web-based music streaming service owned and operated by escape music 
Users could upload digital audio files which could be streamed and organized in playlists. That's yeah. exactly it. Yeah, that, that's exactly what I thought it was. So that was originally the use case for Funkwell as Excellent. well. It was basically, it was a place for Agat to upload her music onto her own server and play it back and organize it into playlists and all that lovely stuff. Um, and over time, other people picked it up and were sort of like, you know, hey, this is neat. I like having this, um, you know, the ability to listen to music from wherever. Uh, and they started asking for more things like multiple users, like multi-accounts, and then multiple libraries per user, the ability to share music. And over time, it kind of snowballed into this thing where eventually uh, it basically gained activity pub support and became a federated platform. Mm. Um, which is quite uh, an interesting little challenge <laughs> as you I ask anyone imagine. who works outside of like, um, you know, micro publishing, like, like micro blogging, which is, you know, activity pubs, bread and butter, really. Uh, you start getting out into the into the wild west of what activity pub can actually do. Uh, so PeerTube does video and Castapod does podcasts and Funkwell does music. And we're all sort of there going, how do we make this work? <laughs> how do we federate <laughs> these things? Um, and it's it's been it's been a, a sort of a wild ride. Um, <clears throat> I joined the project sort of back in 2018. At the time, I had been using Spotify um, quite a lot, and weird, weirdly enough, I think the reason I stopped using them was because they removed a "They Might Be Giants" album that I had in my collection. Like for some reason, it wasn't accessible. I remember writing to "They Might Be Giants" on Tumblr and asking them. Do you know why this is gone? And John Linnell, uh, no, John Flansburg actually responded like, I don't know, it's not our thing. That's our, you know, that's our record label. We don't do that. Um, <laughs> so I was like, okay. And I kind of realized, well, I have this big CD collection, lots of MP3s. I should really just like host my own music. So I was learning Docker at the time because I wanted to, I was do, going into sysadmin work and I'd recently started hosting Mastodon and was looking for something to host uh, music on. I came across all the sort of usual suggestions like your Ampachi and things like that. And at the bottom of a random Reddit thread, somebody said, hey, how about Funk Whale? It's, you know, activity pub driven and it does all this stuff. And I was like, oh, that's great because I'm running another activity pub thing. I'm running a Mastodon server. Uh -huh. Great. Uh -huh. uh, so I went to try and install it and I failed miserably. Um, <laughs> it just it went awfully. <laughs> 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 So I went into the chat room and I uh, was like, help. And Agat actually picked up my case and started talking to me and took me through the install process. Over time, I started helping other people. And then I basically said, well, hey, you know, the reason this is going so badly for everyone is because the documentation needs work. And I offered to go in and do that. And then over time, I also started picking up, you know, front end bugs and, and eventually some even like API bugs and stuff like that. And kind of just worked my way into the project over time through sort of sheer contributions and, and things like that. Um, and nowadays I spend most of my time on documentation. So we spent the last year sort of reworking everything, which includes a complete rewrite of the documentation from scratch. Um, so it's been a, it's been a sort of an interesting journey into the, into the sort of open source field. Um, considering I came from absolutely no technical background at all, <laughs> it's been, it's been a quite a pleasant journey. I must say the website here, is excellent. Yeah. I shouldn't do this when I'm doing interviews. Browse the website and start getting involved in the project, but it is uh, it's very, very well, very clear. It looks. I'll just describe it for our um, our uh, non 
what, what do we call them? Non photon people, micro rays of this world, who, uh, who has vision impairment. Uh, so the website itself, isn't it just via the website, or can I? Uh, so what am I doing? I've got uh, my Slack files. I'm hoping Slack will be supported. Slack I put is it on my. I put it on my Funkwell server here in my house, and I open up a few ports in my firewall, and bada boom, I can share my music when I'm in work. Certainly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, absolutely. So basically, there are there are really two component parts to Funkwell. There's the API and there's the web app. Yeah. Uh, most people, when they think of Funkwell, they think of the web app, but really, the API is the is the thing. You know, it's the the actual yeah, yeah, yeah. power behind it. But yeah, I mean, it's it's. Um, basically something you can put onto a server can run on anything from a raspberry pi up and um you can store your music on on there using either just a simple hard drive or s3 compatible store and sort it into libraries you can then share those libraries with other people uh, or you can make them public if it's sort of creative common uh creative commons audio or freely licensed audio yeah, yeah. and uh you can even publish music or podcasts directly onto funkwell uh, which people can then follow like a Mastodon account, like a channel, as we call them. Oh. So you can be on Mastodon and you can follow a Funkwell channel. And when somebody posts a new episode or posts a, you know, a new track, you will get that in your feed and you'll be able to listen to it. Oh. So, yeah, it does, it does a few things. Um, the project, if you're looking at the website right now, um, is very different from, from what it once was. Um, this last year has been a lot of uh, refactoring and sort of upgrading everything, uh, including a complete rewrite of the, the web app and lots of cleanup on the back end. And uh, Georg, who is our sort of uh, technical maintainer, um, is currently actually rewriting this website because it's, um, it's a bit of a heavy site. It's written in Vue, which is the same as the web app for Funkwell. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, we don't need that for a website, so it's currently just being rewritten as a nice, pretty static site, which was designed by yeah. our designer, Mathieu. Very good. So the website itself, looking at the uh, screenshot of the application, you got my account, settings, notifications, logout, which you'd expect, browse library, favorites, mm -hmm. playlists, and add content. Yeah, fair enough. And administration, yeah. a few things there that you'd expect down on the bottom. Left-hand corner, we've got your typical album art, album art with a heart sign, the name of this track, album and artist, and your play controls. Obviously, somebody's playing. And in the main window, we've got um, uh, one person, I presume, who's logged in, Lee Rosenberg. So that would, that's an is, artist. Um, that's an artist, okay. Yeah. And they've got 187 tracks and 28 albums. And then we got Start Radio, Play All Albums, Search Wikipedia, and Embed. Oh, cool. Albums by mm. artists. Music inspired by. Then we've got um, four different rows, four different albums available mm. to me. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's an interesting experience looking at this screenshot because it's quite an old one, and a lot has yeah. actually changed um, before like this, this last year of work. So... The bottom left player is now basically a player bar along the bottom, which you can pop up okay. into a full screen player, um, which nice. shows you the album art and stuff like that. Um, the uh, left hand sidebar, a lot has changed there. The queue is now a virtual queue inside the sort of um, collapsed 
play bar. So a lot has changed since then, but uh, a lot more is going to change in the future as well. So, um, you know, it's it's a bit of a snapshot of history at this point in time, which no, we've been trying fine. to update. Up at the top, I've got browse albums, artists, radios, and playlists. So mm-hmm. I can just search my media there. Yeah. So there's a search bar in the top left corner, um, which basically performs a quick search uh, and will return results matching albums, um, uh, albums, artists, and uh, sort of tracks. Uh, but then there's a full screen search as well, which you can go into um, to do a more sort of uh, in-depth search on particular things like podcasts or, or albums or artists. Right. So what does this... I have no intention of installing this, just by the way. Fast, <laughs> <That's> fine, <yeah. laughs> fast forward to next weekend when I'm running it, but okay. Um, yeah. uh, so it'll run on a Raspberry Pi, and, and I've got a lot of music, a lot of CDs that are on mm-hmm. uh, in flat format, but the metadata yes. is all over the shop. So yes. what happens there? So um, we back out, we actually back well, out. Okay, to... let's, 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 let's go back. Say, I got a, what do yeah. I need? Uh, say, I have a Raspberry Pi and a one terabyte hard drive with my music on it in all mm-hmm. sorts of directories. Then what? What yeah. do I do? So um, if you want to uh, basically leave all of that music kind of where it is, uh, you can do what's called an in-place import. So yeah. you can basically, as long as the, um, the directory is visible to the server, you can basically say import in place. And all that does is it says to Funquail, just take a note of where these tracks sit in the sort of file system. Don't move them, don't do anything with them, just reference them there. And then when I click play, that's where you access them. That's exactly you can also yeah, do, perfect. Yeah. yeah, you can also do like a, an import where you actually basically copy the files in from another place. Um, or you can just drag and drop files from your local hard drive onto your server through the web interface and upload them that way. So it depends mm-hmm. where it is, but yes, you have options for in-place imports and things like that. All, th- um, all covered. Excellent. Okay. Yes. Well, As for music. tagging, <laughs> tagging How do you install a, it, by the way? How do you install it? Well, um, we've got a few ways to install. So uh, the, the two sort of simplest ways are we have a quick install script where basically you run the script and you point it at a server, and it goes and basically installs everything for you, assuming a, a sort of a Debian-based server. Um, so it gives you some options, like do you want to install a reverse proxy? Do you want to you know, set up all these different things? And then it just installs the software for you. Um, the other way to do it is to run a, sort of a Docker Compose um, sort of setup, which is how I run it. Um, which is just a very sort of straightforward, we ship a Compose file you basically just um, you know, make the relevant directories and then run the compose file and uh, it will create the relevant sort of uh, Docker containers for you. Um, yeah, there are also uh, yeah, guides yeah. available for, so we, you can install it directly on Debian yourself if you want to. Um, you can also, somebody maintains a uh, Arch installation instructions. There's why you know host or you know host, uh, if that's your fancy. Yep. Um, so there's a few different ways to install it. Okay. And well, what's the underlying technology, PHP or what? Um, it's Vue.js, so that's our front-end framework. Um, it's, a, it's basically a, a, a JavaScript framework um, for creating single-page applications. So with Funquail, um, you want certain things to remain on screen at all times. For example, the player. You don't want that yeah, to yeah. disappear when you sort of go to another page. 
So it's a single page application. It will reload the stuff that you ask it to, and it will leave the stuff that's currently doing something in place. Yeah. Um, and then on the back end, it's a Django REST framework. So that's Python based. The yep. database that we sort of support is uh, PostgreSQL and nice. uh, Postgres, or PostgreSQL. <laughs> I guess some people say to me, it's not <laughs> I SQL. Know, yeah. um, <laughs> I, I, I used to be a SQL administrator. I've called it SQL this whole time. Uh, nobody told me. Um, and um, yeah, it also uses Redis for some uh, caching and task management stuff uh, specifically to do with federation. So uh, to in order to sort of um, process lots of different federation tasks, we have a queue set up by Redis, which then sort of um, fires them off at the, at the API or fetches data from the database or something like that. Uh, so it allows you to keep running things smoothly while it deals with the ins and outs of a federated service. Cool. And that website is ujs.org. So Victor Uniform Echo Juliet Sierra.org. Yeah. It's it's yeah, a very, very popular good. it's a very popular framework at the moment. And uh, it's going from strength to strength with uh, its new sort of um, newly sort of uh, new sort of focus on Vite, which is a very fast sort of JavaScript compiler and things like that. So they're really going from strength to strength at the moment. And we recently um, moved from Vue 2, which was their previous sort of major release, to Vue 3, mm -hmm. uh, and from JavaScript to TypeScript. Um, so uh, basically, Casper, okay. who's one of our um, com uh, sort of uh, contributors, developers, uh, took on that Herculean task pretty much single-handedly. Um, and I don't envy him for it at all. It was uh -huh. uh, a lot of work. Like every single front-end file had to be changed. Right. So now I have the uh, have the thing installed. Presumably I go to a mm -hmm. web page and create an account and log in. Yeah. So during the install process, you will create a super user account. That's done with a management script. So you create an admin account. And when everything is set up, you can go to your um, sort of web front end. So in my case, I have Tanuki Tunes. That's my uh, my Funcoil server. And I could just log in and basically I land on a, if it's a brand new so you'll just land on a blank page with nothing and you'll be prompted to upload some content. Fair enough. And uh, you have three options for how you want to load content. Basically, you can upload things like your personal content, your CD collection or the stuff that's on your server. Uh, you can upload those into libraries and each library has sort of three possible um, privacy settings. So there's sort of private, which means only you and people that you directly invite to see the content can actually listen. Uh, there's instance only or local, which means anyone who has an account on your instance can see it and play it. And then there is public, which means everyone everywhere all at once. Um, and so you can sort your music depending on how you want to do it. So for example, I have a very big private library. I mean, it's very big by my standards, might not be by your standards, but it's about 16,157 tracks. Um, and then I have a Creative Commons library, which is about a thousand tracks. Um, and that one is public so that everyone can listen to it, share it, have it yeah, on their yeah. pod, have it on my pod. Um, and then the private one, obviously, it's just for me and a couple of friends. So do you, okay, that, so I'm thinking of, um, 
there's some very practical things here, actually, because um, my kids have got, everybody's got their own taste in music and sure. stuff. And my daughter now works and she has a, um, she alternates between staying here and being uh, in the, uh, the town where she works. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could have a library and then have just assigned that library to her. And then she you, could. Yeah. So you can share it with her. Um, so you can, you can make the library and then you can basically, you get a sharing link with that library. Yeah. You can grant her access to it as a private library. And then basically when she says, yes, I'd like access, you just approve that to make sure that everything is in order. And then she's able to access everything in that library. I think a lot of where I'm going with this is, uh, you know, what will the FBI come knocking on my door when I start using Funquil, which is um, from the <laughs> frequently asked question. And, yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, uh, you know, obviously don't publish and publicize music that you don't own the copyright to. Um, that's, that's kind of where this comes down to sharing content, sharing music is something that, you know, people do and always have done. Most of my music actually comes from my dad. And so I share the library with him. Um, you know, so it's, it's sort of private in that sense. We don't publish it. We don't broadcast it for play. Um, and you know, we, we promote, uh, people publishing, uh, music publicly, uh, if using creative commons or, uh, Libre, how was it? License à libre, uh, yeah. licenses. Um, and that stuff can be published fine, but admins have controls that they can use to, uh, you know, take, take, uh, content down. You can report it. You can make sure that the moderators know about it. And, uh, it's really the responsibility of the individual admin to do that. We are hoping to introduce better controls. So for example, ensuring that only Creative Commons licensed media or freely licensed media can be made public in the first place is something nice. we quite like to do. Uh, it's just not there yet, um, but it is something we're trying yeah, no, to... It's a good start. I have a clear separation between my Creative Commons stuff and uh, stuff yeah. I previously uh, was collecting. Yeah. Okay, I mean, excellent. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, collection management is a hugely complex topic and... Uh, this, this sort of way that we've done it, which is having these kind of, you know, you're able to create as many libraries as you want, but they're all locked to those three privacy levels and everything in that library is at that privacy level. So you can't have, um, you know, if you start uploading and you upload to a certain library, um, you upload 80 tracks and then you think, oh, actually, I wanted this one to be public. It's not particularly easy to move that, which is something we're trying to address in in sort of later updates where we're moving to a collections-based sort of way of handling things where everything can just be dropped onto your Funquail. It doesn't need to go into a library. It just kind of gets, you know, it's part of your library, but then you can create collections and those can be as generic or as specialized as you want. Um, And you can, you know, basically share individual tracks with people or you can share like whole content collections, whatever you want to do. So we've got big plans for how to manage that because Mm-hmm. At the moment, that's something that people, you know, are really sort of aching for is this uh, really solid, um, you know, music management. And when am I importing that? Is there an option to, you know, correct the metadata in any way? So currently, no, uh, but it is something we'd like to do. Um, basically, what we suggest is we back onto Music Brains Picard or Music Brains, rather, the, um, the yeah, sort yeah. of 
database for music. And so we suggest music gets tagged with Picard. Now, that's fine for, you know, some content, you know, that you're uploading from CD collection, from your server or whatever. Um, but it's a bit of an upfront load. We do have a minimum amount of uh, metadata that is required. I'd like to have some way of getting in app so that you don't have to go, oh, no, it failed. Mm -hmm. uh, I have to go and tag it with Picard and then come back and try it again. Um, but, you know, that's something we're, we're sort of trying to work out at the moment. We're actually working with uh, the MetaBrains team to figure out a good way to do that. But of course, some people don't want to use MusicBrains at all. So we have to have, um, you know, fallbacks for other tagging systems and yeah. supporting the sort of bare minimum of ID3 tagging. Um, so at the moment, it's kind of a two-step process. You tag the music first, then you upload it to Funkwell. If it's got a if it's got a music brains ID, you're going to have a great time. <laughs> if it yeah, doesn't, yeah, yeah. then <laughs> you know it's uh, it can be a little bit hit or miss um, yeah. because it was just never really designed to do anything but. So I also see that you have loads of clients for various different platforms: uh, Android, mm. iOS, etc. Yeah, and Clementine so, actually. Yeah, and and this is because basically Body, um, sorry, for sorry, Body and HTTP DIRFS use FS. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. So, in terms of actual official uh, Funkwell um, sort of apps, you basically have obviously the web app. We have an official mobile client for Android, um, Funkwell for Android, and. Yeah. Um, we have a Mopedy plugin. So Mopedy, if you don't know, is the is a sort of music, um, it's a Python-based command line music server. And you can plug directly into a Funkwell server from that if you prefer to listen to music using a command line client. Um, but the majority of these actually are using Subsonic. Um, so Funkwell supports a subset of the Subsonic API. You can uh, use your existing Subsonic apps to listen to your music collection off of Funkwell. If you, you know, or for example, if you're on a an iOS device, we don't have an app yeah. for you at the moment. I'm a, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I, I say this. I'm an iOS user myself. So, uh, um, but you know, if you have a, a Subsonic app, you can listen through that, um, which is kind of our stopgap solution to um, until people, you know, support the Funkwell API in their apps directly. Very cool. So why is the, uh, I can understand having a media library and and whatever. Why would I want to publish this on the Fediverse? So in terms of pub publishing your music on the Fediverse. And remember, this is a, probably a me thing and <laughs> not a you yeah. thing. It's, just, yeah. it's, it's an interesting question, though, because it was one of those things where it was like, um, how how do we, you know, we got Fediverse support around 0.17 was the release, I think, when we started to support uh, ActivityPub and we started to support Federation. And mostly this was kind of for inter-Funkwell communications, so sharing libraries and those kinds of things. It didn't really use ActivityPub all that much. It was more about, you know, Funkwell to Funkwell API or sort of uh, navigation. But what we decided quite early on, um, and what I, one of our guts' big goals was to be a place for podcasters because at the time uh -huh. podcasters were asking for publishing on the Fediverse. They wanted to be able to have a podcast that you could subscribe to using the normal mechanisms of RSS, but also you could follow it like a Mastodon account. 
and see the new episodes and things like that. So it became this big kind of R&D effort by Agat and uh, uh, some more people on our sort of team to talk to podcasters and figure out what exactly they needed from this, how we could build that. And um, obviously, being a music shop, we also decided this was a good thing for artists. If you're an artist who publishes their work currently on things like SoundCloud, um, Funkwell is a you know free and open alternative for you, where people can follow your work and interact with it in some way um, and play it on their pod, uh, you know, and whatever. So the idea is how it works is that if I follow a an, an artist channel on my Funkwell pod, they publish a new epi- a new sort of um, track on their pod, it immediately shows up in my pod and I can stream it. Oh. So, yeah, so <laughs> I don't know if that was clear, but that's kind of how it works. If you have a library of content on your pod or a channel where you upload something, I can follow it on my pod, which is what we call servers, um, and it basically shows me all of that content in my pod. When I then click play, it goes to your server and says, hey, I'm playing this now. I would like to stream the data from there. And basically, that's what it does. It streams from wherever you've stored it and caches it on your local server for later use. So if I play an album, like, for example, you have a, an album by Robin Gray on your server. I'm following that library. I play that album. It will stream it to my server, cache all the content in case I listen to it again later. And that's how it all sort of pulls together. So it's about creating this interconnected network of people publishing uh, basically freely licensed content. Right. Now I'm suddenly interested in this. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) As a a way to discover new music, you basically follow other people who are posting music shows. Yeah, absolutely. I love uh, Dave's podcast's um, show. And yes, they, they, they published the eight tracks that they have. Hmm. Then I could follow them and the people that they follow, et cetera, et cetera. Ooh, exactly. Okay. Like, yeah. They could create, like, uh, for example, because Dave gets a lot of music from like Jamendo, for example. Um, there's no reason that he couldn't have a channel where he basically pushes uh, the content that they play. And, you know, it could be like an album called you know, the name of the week of the of the episode. And you can go back and listen to all the tracks they played there. And that would be a use case for it. Um, a better use case then would be to follow through and those artists follow those artists themselves so that, you know, they'd like one song, but yeah. I want to follow the entire, uh, their entire work. That's kind of where playlists come into it. And uh, that's something that... So we do playlists, playlists are a thing, and we are currently in the process of trying to expand those to be federated as well. Because currently, yeah. playlists are kind of locked to a specific Funkwell instance. Right. Um, but unlocking the ability to actually follow playlists and interact with them, build them across people, like that sort of thing is one of the, one of the goals, really. Okay. Because that, that's, that's, a, that's a big use case, and it's one of those uh, things that so, isn't currently tended on the I don't need to... Follow each podcast similar to, yeah, the the hmm. artists. In order to well, basically, I'm I'm asking how do I how do I find new artists really? and how do I so follow? yeah so content uh, so content that is um, so on a pod like mine for example, I've got several hundred users. Not many of them are active, but you know there's some there. 
And basically, um, when somebody who has an account on the same server that you do follows a channel, for example, that shows up on your home screen. So if they start following a, um, you know, a musician and that channel appears for them, it also shows up for you. Like all of that content shows up and you could search for it and you can filter by like, uh, you know, let's say you start a radio and you're like, I don't really care. I just want something that's tagged with heavy metal. Yep. Any content that is known to your pod and is known by followers, uh, by, by people on your pod and people they follow uh, that is accessible to you will start playing, basically. And you can discover new music like that. It'll pull in some tracks that you've never heard from, you know, somebody followed someone random from open.audio and they yeah, happen yeah. to be making metal music. Right. That's now accessible to you. So you'll hear it in that radio and you can like it and you can follow them yourself and you can, you know, sort of get involved with that sort of thing. Oh, okay. Um, and the more people sort of follow, obviously, it's very similar to Mastodon in this way. Um, if it's a single person pod, it's very lonely. <laughs> it's it's entirely usable. You can upload your music content. You get all the features. That's great. But discovery wise, not much. It gets better when you have more people on the pod and they start following people from across Funquell. All the different Funquell pods, they go over and they go, hey, uh, Funquell.uk has this really cool artist or podcaster who's making something cool. I'm going to follow them. And then you being on my pod, Tonicky Tunes, you, st- you see all of that content appear and you can just start listening. So that, that actually um, that, that pushes me away from the idea of having my own server. Yes, <laughs> In, internally, sure. yes, for the, for the use case of internally. But my Creative Commons music would probably be better off on somebody else's server. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it comes down to who is going to offer you an account space. Yeah. You know, because you have a lot of flack files and they quite, they're quite big. The reason to host your own server um, more than anything is to, you know, have as much space to do with as you will. Yeah. Um, and obviously, the more servers you have in the Fediverse, the better it is for everyone. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I would... Uh, as as a member of the project, I would encourage you to set up your own server. Um, yes, yes, but you as would, a yeah. as a as a as a person who also sort of you know got their starts um, with Funquell using someone else's uh, pod originally. So I, I used Open Audio, which is the kind of flagship pod. Um, I can see the the sort of use in it, but you can quickly start populating uh, your your server. So Open Audio um, offers the entire free music catalog. Uh, from archive.org as a library that you can follow. So you can immediately populate that in your pod by just following that library. And there's a few libraries like that. Mine mine is one of them. So I have lots of music like the entire works of Jonathan Colton and stuff like that, because that's all Creative Commons. Um, you can just follow that and you get a lot of content that you might never have even heard of. And uh, I buy a lot of Creative Commons music to you know give people more yeah. content to listen to. Spread the love. Spread the love. That's what we do. Spread the love, yeah. And exactly. spread the money to people who, you know, are making Creative Commons music because I think yeah. it's a wonderful thing. It is, sir. It is. Uh, yeah, I've been exclusively listening to uh, Creative Commons music since the uh, last seven years, I guess. Oh, wow. Um, no, that's that's not I Not like I put on my headphones and, and don't listen to any other music, but I mean, yeah. <laughs> Any new music, so I am interested uh, in mm. getting uh, access to better Creative Commons music because I feel that the innovation, yeah, there 
No, you, you know, you, you know, you, in every town there's the cool bar where you go in and they've got, they got the bands playing, and some nights it's good, and some nights it's not. But the nights, it's, the night, it's good, very good, and that's what yeah. I feel we get with Creative Commons. That spirit of, you know, it's a bit rough around the edges, but oh, the, there's some good stuff out there. Absolutely, like there are some really fantastic artists that I've come across. Um, who some of them I came across because they're Creative Commons, some of them I came across and they happened to be Creative Commons. So you yeah, might have heard, yeah. you listened to the Bugcast. I don't know if you heard the tracks by like Solarference uh, and The Blasting Company that were playing a couple of weeks ago, but those were my suggestions. Oh, um, very nice. And they are bands that I, so Solarference I saw live in Exeter when I was living there. And it just happens to be that they release everything under Creative Commons. And The Blasting Company Business. are well known for being uh, the band behind the, soundtrack to Over the Garden Wall, which is a very famous miniseries on Cartoon Network. And they release everything under Creative Commons. And it's just, it's wonderful. Sometimes you come across these bands and yeah, you're like, wow, I didn't realize that, you know, they would do that. Um, Jonathan Colton, uh, another one who's like Absolutely, a longtime yeah. favorite of mine. And I didn't realize he released everything under Creative Commons. I uh, got into it. I, I'm the opposite. I got into it because he released everything on, on <laughs> Richard Collins. So, yeah. I, I, uh, where did I? Fantastic. I think I got into him uh, because he did the music for, or he did some of the songs for Portal and Portal Two. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I think that's where I heard of him. And then I started listening to his thing a week. Um, yeah, and he also tours a lot with. Genius, yeah. He also tours a lot with. Uh, they might be giants, who are my favorite band of all time. Um, so. I kind of fell into him that way and then realized later on, like, oh, his entire collection is like, you know, yeah, just fantastic. credit credit based. And, and, you know, so I bought the whole thing. I, I bought every single track, album, anything he's ever done. And I put it all on Funkwell for people to listen to and hopefully go and, and do buy for themselves, you know? Fantastic. Okay. Now, right. Security issues about doing this. I mean, there's the... Yeah. There are some risks with this. You know, you, you yes. put it in the wrong library and suddenly uh, suddenly uh, Metallica are coming at, knocking on your <laughs> door for the music back. <laughs> I want my music back. Yes. And Last. then there's the bandwidth costs. Mm-hmm. And then there's the, uh, the security implications of having a server just open to the world out there. Talk to me about this. So, I mean... Security features-wise, I'm not exactly the best person to talk about it because I'm not a programmer, but I can sort of take you through some of the stuff that we've done. So um, one of the first things is going to this point about um, sort of uh, content being uploaded that shouldn't be uploaded. Um, This is a risk with any uh, sort of service where people can upload their own content. Um, If you're having, you know, if you have a service where anyone can upload anything, in theory, you're going to get a lot of copyrighted work. The important thing is giving people the uh, ability to uh, m- to basically report that to a moderator and then giving a moderator the tools to handle that. So um, in Funquell's case, we, we have a report option on everything. You can report users, you can report libraries, you can report artists, albums, tracks, whatever. And this sends basically a notification to the um, to the admin or the moderator team of the pod and basically says, so this has been flagged as copyrighted. They can go in and verify, yes, that is copyrighted. It shouldn't be public. And then they can choose how to deal with that, whether that be to make the content private 
or if it's a repeat offense or something like that to basically remove the content and ban the account. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we, we, Basically we are trying, complying like say, with the DCM, um, digital Men- yeah, millennium copyright act. Yeah, yeah exactly. Good, 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 and yeah. we're, we're, like I say, trying to, to make it even easier. So we've been floating around this idea of saying like giving admins the ability to lock down, like can users create public libraries at all, uh, or giving them a mechanism that says if something gets put in a public library, it checks to see, does it have a license that is freely available? Uh, and if not, basically, no, uh, you, can't, you can't put it in there. So we have some thoughts on that. It's, you know, it's something that's kind of been in the back of our minds, but this past year has been a sort of a learning You've been experience. Busy. You've with been them. busy. It's a, it's a new team who basically took over the, the old, sort of, the, the previous developer uh, sort of left the project and we took over and we've basically been trying to learn the ropes. Um, to security, so um, we had security audits and, and we will have another security audit uh, soon because basically we funding from NLNet. Um, Very good, yeah. And yeah, uh, we're sort of talking with them at the moment to uh, to get another fund, another sort of uh, round of funding from them. And basically they offer a security audit. It's a pretty sort of standard security audit. It mostly tests like the front facing web app. Um, for security issues, um, but it's a good it's a good thing to do just to make sure you catch some of those more obvious ones. Yeah, the major problems that you will have on any app like this are things like um, access control for the API and um, you know basically port maintenance and management. So we have you know everything is developed in the open. Our Docker files are pretty well sort of uh, sort of shown, and we use fairly standard ports for everything. Um, we don't, we don't use that many sort of non-standard ports. We document which ones need to be open in order for things to work. Um, and for things like subsonic, which is a, you know, uh, <laughs> a slightly older API, which is a little bit sort of, uh, it's a bit of an add on that sort of stuff is disabled by default. So basically the admin has to opt into pretty much everything that would expose them to any greater risk. And the expectation there is that they will assess that risk for themselves and make sure that it works with them. Uh, similarly, our Nginx config files, um, we've actually taken a step to harden those. Um, one of the things we've done in this latest release is um, basically package those into, a, into the Docker containers. Uh, so if you're running it on Docker, basically you have a uh, sort of a, a, what we would call like a, a sort of a sensible default you can override it if you want to, like we give you a mechanism to override it. But the point is, we don't want it to end up where you haven't updated your doc, your uh, Nginx files in ages. And, you know, you've just kept updating the software, but not the Nginx files. So <laughs> we've sort of put that as part of our new uh, yeah, update yeah. mechanism to try and make sure that we're shipping security updates uh, as, as sort of well as we can. Um, but yeah, so we, we do take we do sort of take care, and we, we've actually had some really excellent contributions uh, recently that harden up security of the sort of infrastructure itself. Um, and with version two of our API, which is something we're developing at the moment, uh, security is going to be sort of a big uh, a big thing that we we look into. So we really want to get into the mode of specking everything to within an inch of its life, making sure that we've really assessed the uh, access control requirements and the um, 
behavior, frankly, of the endpoints to ensure that they only do what we expect them to do. And uh, obviously, this will all be developed in the open. Every single spec gets put up for discussion in a forum where people can go and talk about it. Um, but you know, we we will always do what we reasonably can. I know that Georg, for example, who's who, like say is our sort of uh, main technical resource. Um, he works in a sort of a company which deals with Kubernetes and large scale deployments. So he's pretty yeah. au fait with security and has been doing a lot of work to try and solidify that for us. Um, so yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a challenge. Like anything, like you say, anything on the internet, anything that's federated. The other thing that you know you need to touch on is um, things like uh, abusive content. Like what happens if somebody yeah, exactly. on your on your uh, in your, on your server, for example, follows a uh, a podcast that advocates for you know Nazism. Well, how do you deal with that? So we implement allow listing and deny listing. So you can put your server into allow list mode, where only specific pods that you allow through will get in. Uh, same with deny list. You can say that one in particular can't come in. Um, you can purge content from different domains. So if there's a domain that's particularly sort of questionable, you can basically say, based, you know, block that domain and purge everything it's ever sent to me. I don't want to know anymore. So we have a lot of uh, sort of tools for admins to handle all of that sort of stuff. Um, and importantly as well, uh, users in the meantime, after they've reported something, can also hide all content from artists uh, or from, from podcasters and basically say, I really don't want to see that. So while the admin is dealing with my report, yeah, hide it. Yeah, yeah. Just don't very see good. it anymore. Very, so very good. We're trying. Like, uh, we had a lot of help on anti-abuse. Um, with uh, So uh, we had Ginny who was working on anti-abuse oh, uh, back in the day. And uh, she did a lot of a lot of work sort of... Um, uh, making it making it better than it was shall we say but it's an ongoing it's an ongoing battle and we're always yeah, finding things that we haven't considered so we just have to keep hatching and working i realize we're coming up on an hour here which is which amazed me i thought we were just chatting for 10 minutes can you tell me <laughs> what sort of license your software is released under yeah so i would be good release... if you say now it's a totally proprietary open core license <laughs> uh, no, um, we're pretty we're pretty against that. No, um, the software is uh, AGPLv3, so that's the Afro Very General good. Public My License. Personal favorite. It's the only license, really, I think, that makes sense for hosted server-side software. Um, it's a, a, we, you know, it's an excellent license. It gives us all the freedom that we want, and it gives our users freedom as well. Um, we've had people come up and say, "We we'd like to fork the software to." put it on the blockchain and do all this stuff. And we're like, well, good luck. You can have it. It's free and open, but we're not doing that. Yeah, <laughs> Nothing yeah, to do yeah. with blockchain is coming near us. So, um, <laughs> yeah. I'm we've we've had that entire conversation. Yeah. Oh, it, it, people, people have this thing in their head that like they think that Funkwell's goal is to dodge copyrights. And they're like, well, if we put it on the blockchain and we had like a DAO that that sort of did everything, and we put everything in uh, IPFS, there would be no central authority to take down content and all this. And we're just like, we don't hate copyright. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't understand where this uh, where this concept comes from, that we, we, for some reason, hate copyright. We love copyright. Copyright's fantastic. Uh, we just prefer open uh, licensing. 
that's about it. You know? Yeah, so, I, I question that is copyright. Yeah, fantastic. But in its in the in the form <laughs> that it is, we wouldn't need creative well, Commons licensing if copyright wasn't broken. But okay. Well, um, yes, but the, the idea that somebody should be able to copyright their work and not have that copyright violated, say, for example, an individual creates a piece of music and wants to have it, you know, sort of, um, they want to ship it a certain way, they don't do Creative Commons or whatever, that's their right, and we should yeah, decide stepping out with technical I solutions. personally necessarily think that that's correct, because, you know, if I go out and I go to work, and I work on a project, and I create something of beauty there. I get paid mm-hmm. first. Thank you very much. That's it. Job done. It's yep. you know, copyright is the is is essentially a monopoly that we the state grant. And I think yeah, maybe it's it's a way. But there's also there could be other ways because the way sure. copyright is is done. You know, we're locked yeah. into it now. But but I, I, that's I, an existential question over a pint. Yeah, I, I, I would say there. that it's it's not Funquell's uh, no, it's not Funquell's no. position to question that. Um, and more to the point, it's it's our position to, you know, like I say, promote releasing your like your content freely. Absolutely. Like when you upload yeah. content, we say, hey, choose a license. You know, this is great. And if you publish content on Funquell, it's going to be public, so you should put a license on it. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, the you know, if you don't want to do that for whatever reason. We we're not going to make a technical solution that gets around that by putting it on the onto the blockchain for everyone to see, and you can never take it down. No, like, no. <laughs> that's no, a whole that's no. a whole thing that we just don't don't want to get into. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. This is excellent. This is excellent. Uh, the only thing is, I don't really want to be running yet another server. Yeah, I so, understand that. Yeah. Um, if you want to get hand, a taste, yeah. If you want to get I a taste of like this to put on the uh, you know to solve that new house uh, you know ha- my household spreading outside the house mm. and sorry if I'm talking over you it's because of the latency and mumble so my apologies for that no no not at all but uh, yeah it, it, if you want to try out Funquail um, there are publicly accessible pods so if you go to our website they, there is a pod picker which actually shows you pods that yeah. you can sign up to Um the important thing to look out for is what's the upload limit, because uh, yeah, obviously yeah. storage isn't free. It's you know that's the the big sort of limiting factor for people who host content public per sort of publicly. Yeah. So I I offer uh, on my pod I offer like ten gigabytes, which Ooh. is one of the more generous um, <laughs> offerings out there. I'm not trying to sell it because obviously no, no, no. you know it's it's something I pay for out of pocket, but um, you know. Some admins offer two gigabytes, some offer 15. It, it really depends on what you want. But if you try it out, like if you go to open.audio and sign up for an account there and just test the software out, see how you like it, um, maybe you'll think to yourself, yes, I actually do want to run this on a server. And uh, yeah, I think as a, particularly if I'm running it on my own internet for a while just to get a feel for mm. it. Um, is it possible to like replicate the data so that um, you know you... You have uh, different time zones, that's, uh, or would that would that be just better replicating the data underlying? Uh, is there a way to like have uh, you know, um, decentralized three copies of the same server serving different regions of the planet? Um, that's a question beyond me, but um, in theory, I mean, in theory, yeah. there would be 
you know, uh, this is you're talking about scaling uh, sort of solutions here, here. And in theory, you would be able to, you know, run several instances of, uh, you know, certainly the web app is easy enough, plug it into the same API. In theory, you'd be able to do load balancing with the API and you'd be able to do sort of redundancy deduplication with the, the database. Uh, it's not something that we currently uh, document or really sort of offer support for. Yeah, I know that yeah, it's, know. it's one of those things where somebody has written up a Helm chart for running Funquail in Kubernetes and uh, hats off to them. Go I mean, that's, uh, I, in my opinion, a little bit overkill, but there we go. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But the, the, the thing about this is um, the easiest way to it would be to basically host multiple instances of Funquail and just follow the content libraries because they will all just yeah. show up the the different sort of servers. So if you have three servers, one of which is kind of the uh, the lead server and has all of the data on it, um, just follow that content from the other two servers. It'll show up and you can play it. You know, it's it's kind of how it, it uh, functions. Right, I'm going you know. to, I'm going to, can, I, can you randomly, uh, like without uploading stuff, can you randomly listen to other people's pods without having an account? So the admin can choose to allow public unauthenticated content. So if you go to, for example, my pod, Tanuki Tunes, and you wanted to listen to Jonathan Colton, you can. Um, you don't have yeah, to have so. an account. Um, basically, it's free and public, and I have turned off um, basically requirement for authentication on uh, certain endpoints. So. Obviously, anything to do with accounts, to do with uploads, to do with anything like that, that's all protected. But listening and stuff like that is open. That's down to the administrator to decide. Obviously, yes. there's a performance cost there. There's a uh, I mean, you're, you're going to be paying cost. the bandwidth there, obviously. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's covered in my, my DigitalOcean bill. Uh, so I can just read it after a month goes by and cry. Um, but <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a, an aggressive um sort of compressor i um and i upload all of my content as opus files which retain very very high quality uh despite being tiny tiny um so i try to keep it down that way but obviously other people can upload stuff publicly they can upload flac files wav files you know alac files or whatever they're called i think those are supported aac um so yeah whatever they're doing i'm not exactly sure um but okay, yes, so it is that, possible. There might be a way to uh, dip your toes into it, uh, at least to the apps, before you start building your own uh, server and stuff. Absolutely, yeah. So um, I know Open.audio, some of the content there is free to listen to. Um, so anything on these, in anything that is publicly visible to you, you can listen to it. Just click play on something, and it should start playing. Um, you can also log in if you wanted to test, for example, Funquail for Android. Just point it to a server that you know is um, sort of free and open and um, basically just say anonymous authentication. And you won't be able to do things like favoriting tracks. You won't be able to build playlists or do anything like that, but you will be able to play the the music yeah. and just see what's out there. Fantastic. Uh, I'm a bit conscious of the time. Is there anything that we haven't covered that you want to talk about that I missed? Um, I mean... I don't think so. I mean, we we didn't really touch much on on podcasts, but it is an area of the app which has 
languished a little bit. Uh, we're planning to pick up focus on it again at some point. Um, but obviously, uh, on the Fediverse, Castapod uh, exists. So um, people who are looking for a more sort of featureful um, experience can always go and look at Castapod. Mm -hmm. um, but Funkwell is, you know, we were the first. We, we, we were uh, doing podcasts uh, back in the day before anyone else was. And yeah, you can publish a podcast on Funkwell and just download the RSS feed and listen to it from wherever using your normal podcatcher. Um, so, you know, okay, that was kind of a feature we baked into it. That's actually quite interesting for, cause we get asked a lot, how do I start my own podcast? And this might mm. be a good solution for people. Okay. Yeah. I, um, fantastic. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to wrap it up there, Kieran, I think, um, yeah. unless there's anything else. No, I don't think so. It's been uh, really nice talking to you. Thank you very much I, for having me on. No, no problem. I, I have the, the feeling we could have a, we need to have a chat about this. Maybe um, <laughs> we can do a roundup maybe in a six months to a year again and um, come back when I have a little bit more experience having used it or maybe installed it or uh, um, if you have new features or there's anything else you want to announce. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Just, uh, just send me an email and uh, I'm happy to come along. Perfect. Okay, well, thanks very much for the interview and links, as always, to everything that we've discussed will be in the show notes of this episode. Tune in tomorrow for another exciting episode of Hacker Public Radio. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. Today's show was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hosting for HBR has been kindly provided by anhonesthost.com, the Internet Archive, and rsync.net. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 International License.